Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast by Opus Partners. I'm your host, Stephen Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And today on the show, we're talking about how a man is not a retirement plan. <laughs> and we are joined by Linda Moore, the money mentalist. Linda, welcome along to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Now, we saw your article recently in Informed Investor, Linda, and I saw the title, which was A Man Is Not A Retirement Plan, and I just laughed hysterically because I realised that my plan apparently is not going to work. Well, who, who's this man in your life? Well, if it's going to be you, you oh, you're oh, going to be my well, retirement plan. Well, you say that, and yet when Tiffany, you and I went out for dinner after the Tauranga Property Investors Association, you were busy flirting with another man. No, no, no. That's a story for another podcast. But what was interesting about that article, Linda, and of course I'd, I'd recommend that everybody go and pick up a copy of that magazine, is what sort of things did people say to you when you were growing up about how to be financially stable in retirement? Well, it was all about the man. Because if you think about it, I'm probably only about a generation or so away from when women even had their own bank accounts. So, you know, women like my mum was totally dependent on dad. Dad was the retirement plan. You know, she was a stay-at-home mum and all those sorts of things. So that was the world that I came into. So I didn't really think about my own retirement because, as I said in the article, dad said, go and marry a rich farmer. So, you know, that, that was, and, and mum was the one who said, go and get yourself a career which was interesting. So the yeah. bank accounts, did women just not have a need for one because they tend not to be working back then? Or, or was it just that, yeah, why was that? No, certain countries around the world, and particularly the States, it was only in about the 60s, some states, it was the, the early 70s, before women could have their own bank account. Well, the 70s. Yeah, it's, it just depends you know, where you were in the world. But I've, I've read a few articles about you know, women in history and how you know, they'd get married and, of course, you lost all your assets. You could only get them back if your husband died. If you divorced, <laughs> you couldn't get them back. So you know, women haven't actually been encouraged to plan for retirement or even think about being financially independent. And so, Linda, who was making these kinds of comments about men being your retirement plan? Oh, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, my girlfriends and my peer and my age group, we were fortunate. We were kind of encouraged to have our own careers, but there wasn't a lot of discussion about retirement. The other side of the coin was, well, you'll be okay because you'll have a house, which you can pay off, and the government will look after you. So that was really what the conversation was. That was as far as it went. And so fast forward a few years and you're here now. What did this journey look like for you then? How did it play out? Not very well. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry for laughing at that. It just caught me off guard. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, again, you know, I tried the marriage thing four times. Four times? The money mentalist. She should be the marriage mentalist. Didn't see that coming. Well, I'm not sure if getting divorced four times makes you qualified to give marriage advice. Wow. It actually does because I know what not to do. Um, But, I mean, this is what happens. Relationships break up and you have to sell your assets and all these sorts of things. So all of a sudden, you know, the retirement plan of the the husband in the house, and, and I work with women in exactly this situation where it's gone or they don't have what they thought they were going to have. And there's a lot of panic and there's a lot of stress around the fact that what are we going to do? How are we going to survive? You know, we've got to get the most money we can between now and when we want to stop. And how do we do it? And Linda, in your article, you talked about one of those tough times and after one of your breakups, 
It was just you and your 18-month-old daughter. What was yep. that like? How did you get through that, Linda? To be honest, I have no idea. You just literally, you go into survival mode and that mothering, or for dads that find themselves in that same situation, there is just this survival instinct that kicks in. We've heard stories where parents will run into a burning house to save their children. It's the same when financially you need to keep a roof over your head for yourself and your child. So you go into survival mode and you do whatever you have to do, whether it's borrow more money, whether it's take on more jobs, whatever it is, beans on toast, you just do it until you get to that next phase. And what were those things that you did? I went down the route of how many credit cards can I get? <laughs> and, and yeah, literally, I did. I, I think I ended up with about 12 of them. 12 credit cards? Yep. Before I stopped, and I was still, I could still have got more, I think, yeah. How did you dig your... So I had store cards, I had credit cards, and it was a complete juggling act as to which one I was going to use when I went to the supermarket or, or whatever, until I finally started to be able to get more income because my daughter was old enough that I could actually work more hours. How did you dig your way out of that, 12 credit cards, and how long did it take? Oh, I was at that stage, I was just starting my own accounting practice. So as that started to grow, I started to get more income. I literally at that point, I think pretty much I just worked my way out of it. Yeah. So I might have had a lot of cards, but the overall debt you know, probably wasn't too high that yes. um, I actually could. But it's just, I come from parents who have always been hard workers. So for me, it was like, okay, what do I do? I just work. And I sold stuff and I did extra things and, yeah, whatever I could do. Mm. So, Linda, how do you go from having 12 store cards and credit cards and things like that to becoming the money mentalist, the master <laughs> of money? You actually get to the point where you realise that something is going horribly wrong with your money mindset and you find the person that can help you work through that. And very fortunately for me, that's what I did. I went back to university and I studied psychology because it was fairly clear to me that it is about psychology. And then I found my mentor, who was David Kruger, and I became a client of his. So I had to understand why I did the things that I did with money and what my drivers were and what my money psychology and the stories I was telling myself that just simply weren't working for me anymore. And Linda, what did you have to change in your mindset and in your psychology around money? Well, it was a pretty big realisation for me because we all have a money story and we all have a belief that will start when we're quite young. And I had a little four-year-old Linda who was actually running my financial life and my business and she was not a good money manager. <laughs> so I fired her. <laughs> and what sort of things did little Linda believe? What were some of the ways that little Linda reacted or acted? So well, little Linda started out with the belief that I'm an only child I'm spoilt, therefore I can have what I want. And as I went through and went from four-year-old to 40-year-old Linda, I added on the end of that, I can have what I want whenever I want it, whether I can afford it or not, because credit will let me do it. And that was the belief I was living out of. And once I changed that, then that's when things changed. And do you think that's been a big change as well in people's ability to get credit now is so easy compared to, you know, Again, your parents' age, you know, they wouldn't yeah. have had a credit card. So do you think that's where people have dug themselves into these holes that they get themselves into? Oh, I think that's a lot of it because it's all about instant gratification. I mm. mean, we don't get the pain-pleasure thing anymore. You yes. just get the pleasure. <laughs> yeah. 
Now, Linda, when you've been trying to change your mindset around money, I note that you've come up with somebody separate to yourself. You've said, that's little Linda, and that's how little Linda acts, and I'm not going to be like that person, even though effectively little Linda is just you. You've You've, yes. you've kind of made the separate person so you can almost yep. distance yourself away from that. Is that one of the techniques you use with your clients and people who need to change their money psychology? Yes, because we all have this little person in, inside of us. And I probably use little Linda more because that's a good way for me to teach and help people understand, clients understand. But yes, we will all have this little person who's doing something. And once you kind of recognize that that's the behavior you've had, sometimes that little person will disappear. My little Linda is now my social secretary, so she organizes all the fun stuff. So we have a great time. <laughs> <laughs> so what is age four Andrew like, Andrew? <laughs> uh, just as ADHD is age 39. And so who handles the financial affairs then? Oh, well, adult Linda now looks after that. Adult I'm, Linda. I'm, I'm an accountant. I, you know, I know this stuff. I just wasn't listening or doing what I should have been doing for myself. I was doing it beautifully for my clients, but not for me because I wasn't the one in charge. And so tell me, how do both men and women Britta? need to change their thinking when it comes to retirement? Well, first of all, I think it's an awareness that we actually now have to provide for it ourselves because, I mean, yes, it's, it's great that we've got KiwiSaver, but I think you're going to need more than that. You know, people are going into retirement, they've still got mortgages. That didn't happen. Or people are going into retirement where they don't have a home that they can sell. So we've got to get rid of all of those old stories and those old assumptions and start to learn and educate and understand and be more self-reliant rather than looking outside going, who's going to look after me? It's how do I look after me? And Linda, one of the things that I know you do is working with people when they need to make a change around their money mentality. I wonder, can you give us an example of someone you've worked with who was going to rely on their partner financially in retirement, but it actually didn't work out? <laughs> I have so many stories around that. Again, because I work in the property relationship space, I see a lot of that where both men and women were relying on their partners on the big income and they suddenly lose it and they have to become more self-reliant. So they have to think, okay, how am I going to generate income? I need to start saving now. So there is that thought process, but where it's still in a relationship, it becomes more about working for it as, as a team. So it's like, what's our shared vision? What's our goals? What's our vision for the future? And yes, men typically don't last as long as women. Therefore, what's going to happen after one or the other has gone? So it's different conversations than we may have had in the past. And do you do anything with your clients to kind of balance the scales a little bit? Because just thinking about the, the way you say it, it does sound, it does sound quite unfair. Yes, I do, because the whole thing is when you are in a relationship, you're a team, aren't you? And when it comes to your finances and planning for your future and planning for, for all of that, that teamwork kind of needs to carry on. And again, the thing where, you know, one of you will stop work, typically mum, to have the family, and that's when you stop putting money away for her retirement yes. because you're down to one income. So it's thinking through things like that. How can we keep the savings going? What other changes do we need to do? Do we really need Sky or can that $25 a month actually go into our retirement fund because it's going to give us more bang for buck in the future? It's those sorts of thoughts and those sorts of conversations that we need to be having that we don't have. 
my perception of women today, not that I know. Oh, here we the, go. I look forward to this. Yeah, the let, great oracle of women. Yeah, let, let me let me tell you about everything I know about women, Andrew. <laughs> this shouldn't take long. Two legs and two eyes. <laughs> so, I'm glad. I'm very glad that's where we went. Carry on. Now, my perception today, though, is that mindset seems to be shifting particularly among younger women who don't seem to think that a man's going to be their retirement plan. How do you see that changing today? And how does it compare to when you were growing up? Oh, look, I think it's fantastic. Because again, when I was growing up, we didn't have many women financial advisors. Yeah, and nowadays you've got you know people like yourself, people like Hannah McQueen, you know these women in business who are you know leaders in giving financial advice. I think you're th- forgetting about Sim Kerr as well. Oh, from, sorry, uh, and from Girls Got Invested. Sorry. Yeah. So yes, because and again the perception. I was talking to uh, Natalie Ferguson, co-founder of Hatch, and she was saying you know that women are scared of investing. This is from her her research around, and she said you know for women to invest, it should be as easy as going shopping and buying a pair of shoes. Oh. But we weren't taught that. We weren't. It was a scary thing, and it was the man's domain. And most of the people who were investing were men, and they were the ones giving advice. And so you know this kind of you're just the the little woman who should be at home. That's a gender and that's a stereotype thing that has to change as well. So it's got to come from both sides. And I think it's great that young women, I mean, I'm a mum to a 34-year-old and she's in a very different mindset around money and investing and retirement and things like that than I was. Well, you've given me quite relief because if investing does become as easy as buying shoes, Lauren will have us sorted out for retirement. (laughs) Fantastic. And Linda, just before we wrap up, if anybody wants to learn more about you, check you out online. Where should they go? Just go to my website, moneymentalist.com. Fantastic. Let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Hey, I'd actually recommend you go pick up a copy of that magazine, Informed Investor, of course. We own and publish that here at the Opus Group. And I'm very proud of that magazine. This one is The Retirement Issue. If you go into your local supermarket, you'll probably find it. It's the one with a golden rocking chair on the front with $100 bills raining down all over. It's fantastic. You'll be able to read Linda's article in there and about 80 other pages about how to prepare and become an informed investor. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Tepic Knight. I'm Andrew Nicholl. We're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time, 